Hello and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And that makes me Kevin. And this is the episode dun, 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 where we're going to be talking about colder weather, which is season three, episode number three. Written by Emily Andrus, directed by Ron Murphy, and this one aired August 3rd, 2018. Yep, trigger warning. This one hits me hard. I'll try to go easy on you. You're going to be covering things that happen in the episode, right? Yeah. Well, then that's not going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try in my fashion to make it not as deep as you we know it is. You always do. You always do. And I always appreciate it. But yeah, this one, this one's tough. I got to be honest, probably the toughest one for me to watch or rewatch. It is. It's really easy to forget. Like, you know, you know, you remember like, oh, that was a hard one. But then when you watch it back, you're like, oh, that was a like, I forgot how hard it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, right away we are reminded because we open with a super sad song and a close up of Winona's eye just like falling with this giant tear and then it falls onto dolls's dog tags no i was i watched it and then my partner came home like 20 minutes later and i was like i gotta show you this i'm like so i rewound all the way to the beginning like just watch this opening scene she's like oh yeah that's that's a lot yeah it's a lot i mean let's face it i mean we we, we talk, and I say we, meaning Erper is about how, you know, Waverly's upset or crying, how much it gets to us. But, you know, Winona so infrequently cries. Um, so when that happens, watching Mel, man, that is just gut punch every time. Yeah. Yeah, there, are, there are so few of them. But having that as a start, like you said, with the song, you know, that didn't tell us we were, we were in for something pretty pretty special and then uh, i don't know what else might yeah i mean the cinematography with that like the 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 directorial choices that were made with that close up on her face are just gold and we talk about her face acting all the time but then to have that giant tear slowly fall oh and then onto his dog take too it's like it would have been enough just the giant tear alone but then where it falls you're just like Oh, yeah, that's a lot. And that's how we start out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, so the state of Winona is, you know, it's obvious she's like she's in a bad place. And we see her then in the cold, dark woods and she's drunk and she's yelling for Bolshar. She's basically taunting him. And not far away watching over her is Nicole and Waverly, which is just very sweet. Isn't it? Isn't it? You know, seeing that is just so comforting, though. Yeah. You know, the two of them are there, and, and just the only reason they're there is, you know, to to take care of Winona. Yeah, they're basically just watching over her, giving her that time and space that she needs to, like, kind of, you know, work through these big, strong emotions she's having. Waverly is super worried and she just wants to like pull Winona in and Nicole's like no no you know just give her a few more minutes get it out of her system Waverly's worried that Bolshar will actually show up um and Nicole's like I would place my money on the grief-stricken demon killer 
yeah, at least that starts to get at least me. But you know, some of the comments like that get me at least a little, a little back, a little back from the edge. <laughs> well, and that's one of the great things we talk about about the show, right? Is like how we have the the comedy dispersed in with the horror element, with with the scary, with the sadness. It's they do a good job of not letting us sit in those dark places for too long most of the time. Right. But we're not without more moments, uh, obviously, that are, are to come. And Waverly's worried because she has, she says that Winona is so hammered she can hardly walk. Yeah. And we see that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nicole's like, you know, but she's got Peacemaker. She's got us. It's going to be fine. And just then Nicole's like, oh, wait, we've got company. Uh, she spots a Revenant approaching. And they spring into action because they've got Winona's back. And this Revenant is just taunting her. He's going on about, oh, you know, Bolshar finally got one of yours. We're considering that a win for our team. And she tries to get him, but she says she's just too tired to shoot him, which we mm -hmm. don't see very often. No, Winona usually enjoys those bravado moments when the Revenants get a little too full of themselves, but... Uh... Not even, not even up for it. Yeah, and that's when baby sis comes in and shoots the man right in the family jewels. <laughs> yep. Which uh, <laughs> does not go past Winona's head. She's like, "That is so sweet of you." <laughs> yep. Look what you did for me. Yep, it's a little gift. And Waverly's like, "Well, that settles it. You know, nobody else is going anywhere. Not until." And then she. She can't even finish the sentence. And Nicole says, until we say goodbye. And yeah. Winona's just, you know, back into her bad, bad way. And she's like, I, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to put dolls in the ground. Mm -hmm. Yep. Her state of affairs here is just, it really reminds me of season four, right when we get the intervention where she's just drunk all the time and nicole and waverly are kind of there to confront her about it yeah that's a great parallel to bring up too because i mean it's it's kind of two different i don't know if i'd say reasons but it's it's two different triggers to, to getting her in that spot but the great thing is that both of them are there for her in both of these situations one where she where she truly appreciates it this one and as we'll see the other one where she doesn't she tries to push them away especially where so but it's very real it's very true to why we love this show you know for all the, the crazy sci-fi stuff it's really about the interactions of these characters well and i think it makes that as hard as that that confrontation is in season four it makes it that much more like earned for nicole and waverly because they've seen her in all those situations and they've seen the different ways she's used alcohol to cope with things. So it's like, we all know yeah. that if anyone is in the right place to kind of bring her to this come to Jesus kind of meeting, it's those two, mm -hmm. because like they're letting her have this moment right now. They're like, okay, this is, this is warranted. Right. But then as she has this strong history with the abuse of it, they're finally like, no, this is like, this has gone on for too far, too, too long. Excellent observation, Anne. Yep, and we will get to that. <laughs> We've got <laughs> a while. season four. <laughs> yep, got a while. And then if our heart wasn't torn apart enough in that opening, we then have the opening credits and our theme music has changed to the 
most heartbreaking version of Tell That Devil by Jill Andrews that uh, we've ever heard. And as hard as that was to hear the first time, all the subsequent ones are just even more brutal because as soon as that starts, I'm in a puddle. I am in a puddle. Yeah. That is just so appropriate. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't, I, I really don't know. I really don't know what to say other than what a brilliant idea and, and brilliantly executed and so on brand for the episode and for how we're all feeling. Well, and it's just, it's so beautiful because here we've got this song that, you know, we all kind of joke about, like we never skip the opening credits, right? Cause it's a, it's our anthem. It's our, it's like our fight song. Mm-hmm. And to take, it's the very same song. The lyrics haven't changed. It's just been, slowed down and turned into this acoustic heart-wrenching version and it it's just so amazing how music can can change your mood so drastically with that that subtle change i don't know that it's subtle that's actually totally unsubtle might be the opposite not what i meant to say at all but we're on no, a no, podcast I, here I'm we are because i get it no you're you're, you're very right uh, um you know and and jump ahead to some of our notes uh or certainly my notes and it comes up in, in some of the stuff with emily uh, and again won't get spoilery but on the buffy side of things the comparisons between this and emily brings it up in a very iconic episode of buffy called the body um the choice was made there in, in that episode, just as an FYI for any who haven't seen it, um, by that showrunner, that that was the only episode of that entire series, 140, 144 episodes, no music whatsoever. Mm. Because music has such an impact on folks. The choice was made there that for something that powerful, it should be like real life, meaning we don't get a soundtrack to you know, to pump us up or take us down. It's what happens in real life. So the choice here to make this decision, you know, for, for the same kind of idea of how you would deal with something this emotional with a character passing. I mean, it's just, you know, for this guy who's gone through both shows and has both shows as as two of my all-time favorites, it, it was just very interesting to look at the creativity and how choices are made to impact you as a viewer. If if you haven't listened to it, I have another uh, podcast I do with Kat Crimmins called This Erper Life. And we had the opportunity to highlight the music of Winona Earp and, and sit down and talk with Andrea Higgins and Jill Andrews just about the, re- the reimagining of this song and what went into it. And I don't know, I'm really proud of that, uh, what we did with that episode, because it, it was just it was a really good story. Um, everyone was so cool to talk to. But yeah, just hearing... Andrea recall how that went down and and Jill's version of like how quickly she turned it around. It's just really kind of cool. And uh, if you have not listened to that, folks, please, please do. Uh, you folks did such a great job talking to Andrea and hearing more about that. The other thing we notice is that in the opening credits, Catherine Burrell has finally gotten a place card. Yes, that is obviously an important step. And then, you know, very well-deserved. Then we are at Shorty's and Kate is there with Doc and she's 
like, you know, should we call a truce? And Doc's like, well, last time we saw each other, you had me tied to a stripper pole. She goes <laughs> on to say that, you know, well, you used to like that kind of thing. And um, she's like, well, you know, if we're keeping score, you also shot at me. And he points out that she didn't die. So um, obviously, if they knew each other from back in the day, you know, she can't just be a normal human at this point. <laughs> It's 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 nicely done how the Kate story line is going to start to to unfold and to kind of play out a bit. I that was one of the pleasant things certainly in the rewatch of this one, along with the other concerns emotionally, was uh, such a great job done. And, and Emily wrote this episode, but just the whole idea of bringing in this new character that we're starting to see some great interactions, the chemistry between you know uh, Tim and Chantal and everything. It's just it's it's great to see. Yeah, and I remember, um, you know, when we finally got that name drop of who she was being so tickled because, you know, we saw that that hint way early on when Waverly was going through, like, photos and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yep. I always love when they tie everything back together from, exactly. like, long ago that we didn't see. Mm -hmm. And she... Uh, Kate is flipping through her tarot cards and she's like, you know, no, I didn't die, but a great warrior did. And then he gets upset with her even talking about dolls. And she goes on to say that she can tell him where he went. And Doc's like, I know where he went. He was a good man and he's now at peace. She says that peace is for heroes. And then he says, Doc says, my hero. And here he's talking about Winona. Uh, the one who took down your vampire kin, she's hurting and she's the one who needs my help. And I just thought that was really interesting how he's like my hero. Yeah, it's always it's, yeah, it's always something to watch for as emotionally closed off as Doc can be and detached and, and all the other stuff we see over the whole series. You know, if you if you can get through that layer just a little bit, we really get him proud. At least I depressed with you. You know how much you can tell that he cares about her. And Kate's cards point out that um, Winona is hurting for the marshal, and then she's like, "You should really stop chasing that girl because you know you're always going to be competing with a ghost for the rest of your days." And she's like, "Yeah, that never ends well." And he gets really upset with her. He's like, "You know, get out of here." She says that they've always had terrible timing, and he says, "No, we were just terrible." So again, this like this history they have, right? More clues. Back at the homestead, Waverly and Nicole are meeting with someone to make funeral arrangements. And they're looking through like brochures for caskets. And Waverly's like, this is so ridiculous. I spend all this money on something he's never going to see. And this is where we find out that Nicole's not going to have a casket. And Waverly's like, really? Like, what are you going to do then? And the guy says... Well, it's really good to have a plan, and you two should probably discuss this with your husbands. And Nicole is so great here where she makes this big production of, like, grabbing Waverly's hand and kissing it. And she's like, that's right, baby. It's so important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She wants a sky funeral <laughs> and goes on to explain exactly what that is. Like, it's just no big deal. <laughs> about scaffolding with your body and that you know the crows and magpies and vultures will just come and eat you 
magpies, Kevin. Magpies. Yeah, huh? magpies. Interesting. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the magpies were there all along. <laughs> Later on, yeah. boy, do they show Coming up. back. Coming back. <laughs> um, yeah, and Waverly's like, you know, I haven't really thought much about when I die, and she just assumes she'll be buried with Willa and Dad. And the guy's like, um... This is awkward because Ward only bought two additional graves uh, besides his own, which was Willa's and um, or besides his and um, Willa's. And it was for Mama and Wayne. Yeah. Ouch. What a piece of poop that guy was. Like we needed more evidence of that? No, but like, what? What was his plan? Like, she just wasn't even going to be buried with the family. Come on. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Again, just more evidence of what a total d bag he is. Uh huh. Yeah. Winona comes in and she sees what they're doing, and she's like, "Yeah, I can't. I can't do this. I don't even know what he would want." And Waverly tries to go on to tell her, like, you know, this is important. And Wynonna's like, yeah, well, death is forever, so we have plenty of time. And she's not wrong. Like, he's not going anywhere. We can take some of our time on this. And she leaves to go take out some of her sadness and frustration by shooting some cans. And that's where Doc finds her. And he's, like, complimenting her shooting form, saying, oh, I see you're finally planting your left foot. And she jokes at least saying that, yeah, it's because I stepped in a cow patty and I froze in place. <laughs> and um, she just opens up to him about, you know, she knows that this needs to be dealt with, but she's already gone through all this before with her dad and Shorty and then Willa. And then Doc even points out that, yeah, he, she had to do it twice for Willa. Very true. Very painful. Yeah. Woman's been through a lot. So much, so many of, you know, she's like she puts revs in the ground, but like she's had a lot of family members that she's had to bury. And she says that this one is quite a kick in the box. And he agrees. And she's like, I still, you know, just don't understand what happened out there. And Doc's like, we were dying and he saved us. And then she just crumbles in his arms. And then he's just so sweet with her. And he says, oh, love, oh, love. Sometimes you get and sometimes you get got. And it's just, it's so sweet to see these tender moments that they have together. Yeah, they're very real. And and like you said, we don't get many of them for that reason, that they'll both be willing to be emotionally vulnerable at the same time. Right. He goes on to say that back in his day, and then Wynonna starts joking again. And she's like, oh, God, haven't I suffered enough? Because here he's going to go on with his old timey stories again, right? But what he does is he goes on to tell her a beautiful story about in his day when heroes died with their boots on and how they were buried on Boot Hill. But this is a moment that like it kind of grounds her. It centers her again for this moment. And it's again, it's all very sweet and touching. And she says that they really need to get Bolshar and he wipes her eyes and they're both crying and it's just too much. Um and he's like, we need to be, we need to do right by dolls first. She asked Doc if he knew dolls was from Arizona. And Doc asks if she thinks he wants them to, if he they should return him there. Like, is, is that what he would want? And she says, I figure he chose his family and we're it. 
were all of it. And I just thought that was so sweet, that whole chosen family aspect that we've all come to know and love about the show. Just another example of that. It is, but uh, it's, again, another example of uh, defining yourself through your actions, not, not just preconceived notions of what things should be like, you know? Doc says, poor asshole. <laughs> I just love how these two are just so perfectly imperfect for each other. Then we see a quick glimpse of a bus pulling into purgatory and a lone man with a star tattoo on his hand opens the door. Dun, dun, dun. We'll find out who he is soon enough. Back at the homestead, Nicole, Waverly, Doc, Winona, they're all there and they're discussing how they think they should best honor dolls. And Waverly thinks that, you know, having a big drinking thing is just disrespectful because dolls didn't even drink. And Nicole's like, yeah, but we need to, too. And she thinks that, you know, wake would be a nice thing to do. Waverly's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll make some sandwiches. And she just starts rattling off, like, all these sandwiches she's going to make. Nicole's like, we don't need sandwiches for an army. Dolls had, like, five friends, and four of them are right here. And... What we go on to see is really just how differently each one of them handles grief. And Emily makes a really good point in her postmortem about how it was really important for her to have all the characters react to grief in a way that was still very true to their character. And I think, I mean, it's excellently portrayed where like Waverly just can't stop talking or giggling and Doc's like, okay, who's inappropriate now? And she points out that he's being super rigid and unfeeling while the bad guys are still out there and then finally he gets emotional he smashes a bottle of whiskey on the table or off the table and she's like he's like is this enough feeling for you and it just kind of startles her because she's like okay what's what's happening doc leaves and he says that he'll make sure there are enough libations at shorty's and winona this whole time is just kind of like sitting off to the side like just kind of checked out of it right she's like weak and she just kind of says in this defeated voice what do we do now and then she says hot and that just gets me like here she's she's reaching out trusting and depending on nicole to know what to do now yeah and like you said i mean emily does such a great job for for any of us who've been through a loss like this we know that you said it, and everybody grieves differently. Everybody deals with this the suddenty, usually of, of loss like this, differently. There, there is no right way. There is no wrong way, and it's usually a combination of some of these things. For any of us who've seen that, especially more than once, so beautifully portrayed and, and show for the different reasons, um, both the grief, but also as you're just saying, the wonderful. Uh, foundational stuff that's occurring between Winona and Nicole with her feeling that way. I mean, emotionally, she's checked out. She is just not going to deal with any of this. And in that moment of that happening, she knows enough to turn to Nicole. Yeah, that level of trust that like, I I'm paralyzed with like, I just don't even yeah, know what I can't, to do. I can't do it. Who do I trust to do it? Yeah. And Nicole suggests that they go to his motel room to find um, him something to wear. And this is where we find out to everyone's shock that he gave Nicole a key and that they had this professional kind of trust as officers in the line of duty. And Waverly just softly, softly jokes that Nicole just said duty. <laughs> Again, adding some levity to the situation. 
And Winona says, yeah, she sure did, cutie. Um, and I do love that, like, even in the sadness, Winona and Waverly still try to, like, find ways to crack each other up and make each other smile. No, I was going to say, they're, just, they're being themselves. They're being yeah. their true self. Yeah. Winona says she doesn't even know where Dolls is. And Nicole says, you know, he's with Jeremy and Jeremy's doing the autopsy. And Winona just freaks out. Um, and Nicole's like, this is routine in cases like this. And Winona storms out. She's like, no, he's not cutting him up. No way. Um, and I don't think I thought about it initially, but I did this pass through. Just how awful is that, that Jeremy would be the one to have to autopsy his friend? Yeah, just, just to show, though, too, as we're going to see play out through the episode, how far Jeremy has come from his character. Yeah. Right? Uh, his, uh, you know always being uh, a bit at a distance, at least initially, kind of not really part of the core gang, you know, not doing much more than some comic relief here or there. And boy, by this episode, whew, is he having to really, I don't want to say mature, but it, dealing with the, the, the difficult side of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not just the, the geeky little lab nerd. I mean, here he was you know, trying this whole time to find this way to save him um, and then also hide this secret too. And as we find out, you know, keeping a lot of these secrets for, for dolls undercover and, you know, holding on to his secrets and then he would have to do this, which luckily as we find out later, he didn't have to, but just the thought of that, that that's what he would have to do was, was just really kind of sad for me. Mm-hmm. At Shorty's, Doc's in the basement, and it turns out there's been a break-in. He thinks they only took the banana liqueur, um, which is which is amazing in and of itself, because having drank a lot of banana liqueur in the past two years, <laughs> I can <laughs> tell you it's a desperation if they're just taking the banana liqueur. <laughs> the camera pans over to show us um, that what we know and they don't know is that Dolls' drugs were also taken. And then Doc goes upstairs and he finds a strange man that he assumes is responsible for the break-in. And they both draw their guns on each other. Doc's like, listen, the bar's closed. The man's like, yeah, I know for a wake for, you know, Agent Xavier Dolls. That's why I'm here. And Doc's like, you need to prove that you're a friend. And then he's like, because, and he clicks his gun, because I have one in the chamber and murder on my mind. Mm -hmm. no gray area with doc there right no and everyone's on high alert they're like listen someone just died <laughs> there's a yep. big bad still out there we're all vulnerable but we've still got our guard up in dolls's hotel room waverly's commenting on how she's seen monks with more shit <laughs> and nicole's like yeah doc was an en enigmatic dude and a cop and waverly's like you know i think it's really kind of nice that you guys got one another and Nicole starts talking about how he had a traumatic past. And Waverly, Waverly's like, what? He did? And Nicole's like, she starts getting all weird. And she says, yeah, and he felt like he could help me with my own. And the way she gets here is just very season four post-traumatic stress disorder, Nicole, for me. And she starts going into how, you know, when she was a kid, her parents were traveling again. 
And they told her that she could go to a music festival with her aunt and uncle in the Ghost River Triangle. And there was an attack by a man in leather. And she goes on to talk about, like, there was a lot of screaming. There was a lot of blood. And Waverly makes the connection, you know, to the demon that Dolls killed, which I forgot his name was Bondage Bob. (laughs) (laughs) But that Nicole's parents just told her for years that everybody died in this forest fighter, forest fire. And that she somehow escaped and she still had nightmares and they didn't make sense. And that when the widow Mercedes said his Bolshar's name, it was like, you know, something went off in her head. And this is when dolls helped her and said, yeah, listen, Black Badge has been covering up these massacres for years. And she goes on to say that she somehow got herself down to the river And that somebody saved her. And this is my baby girl, Kevin. This whole Nedley and Nicole relationship is like my baby girl situation. I I totally totally get it. Because, yeah, hearing that again and knowing what we're going to see between them. Yeah. is again, beautiful story, you know, in the sense of giving us a little tease to what we'll eventually realize was the case. Yeah. Just like, you know, in her mind, it was just like, Somehow I got myself down there and somebody like just this untapped memory. Right. Mm. And by this point, Nicole is just sobbing, having opened herself up and telling, you know, reliving all this. And she's feeling really guilty that she couldn't save dolls. And there's just all this survivor's guilt. I mean, pretty much everybody's got it at this point in the episode. And they kind of gather themselves together and, open this case and inside is an envelope that says to Winona for when I'm gone. It's just another like, Oh, Oh. (laughs) I think that, I think that's harder for me. I mean, at first when you see it like, Oh, now that we know what it is, I mean, on the one hand it's comforting. On the other hand, it's very sad. Yeah. And how long did he know? Right. Like how long was he sitting with this and like making these, these preparations for all these people he cared about after the fact, you know, he's still, he's still worrying about them or he's, he's preemptively worrying. Like what are they going to need to go on after I'm gone kind of thing? It's a great way to get us thinking more about dolls and, and some of the things he actually had to deal with on his own himself, you know, sometimes, I mean, we looking more on the story level, right? And, and a lot of the stuff we're seeing here, from giving the key to Nicole to leaving that photo for Winona, I mean, he knew what was coming. And he's mm-hmm. trying to do what he can um, to basically make it easier for everyone else around him, not for himself. Well, and then, you know, we've seen this growth of, like, when he first came in, episode one, this hard-ass, unfeeling guy who was just like, this is the job, you got to do it, you got to be a soldier, And we've seen him slowly warm up, right? But then to see all this after the fact of how sensitive and caring he was under the surface that they didn't even see yet. Mm -hmm. A lot. It's a big episode, Kevin. I don't know if you're aware. That's a lot. Uh. You can hear the sigh in my voice, hopefully. I don't know, you know. So uh, uh, there's a lot here. I don't have much else to say. You know, I, I feel sometimes bad because I, it's, it's just, it hits, it hits so real. 
it's so hard, you know, when you got a situation where it feels so real, the relationships and these characters, that when you see them, it was hard enough seeing dolls die. But going out a hero, you can kind of go, okay, he did, he did it for them. But then to see the follow-up to that, which is this episode, it's the physical pain part of it for me. It's that punch in the gut. Not in a one quick scene, but an entire 42 minutes, even with some fun stuff we'll mention, that it's hard not to just dwell on some of that when you see these little moments occur, or at least for me in the episode. So, Right. I like to think that this was just training that Emily was giving us for everything that would come in season four. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I think we're yeah. Um, I think we're going to have some fun talking about that a little bit. Let me get there. <laughs> now, I follow what you're kind of saying, and it's it's interesting. Again, with the more realistic relationships, and even the one you touched on earlier with the, the Nicole and and Waverly being there for Winona, and and similar similar acts on their part for what they do, but for different reasons, and that's some of what we're going to see there in season four too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, we got a, we got a lot still to cover. I know. Um, in Jeremy's office, Winona just comes busting through, right? And she's uh, yelling, Chet, Chetri, put that scalpel down. But he's like, stop, you know, chill out. I'm I'm not doing the autopsy. He says he didn't need to because dolls knew what was going to kill him. I, you know, he and Jeremy knew. It's so that it was no mystery. And at the same time that like this is happening, Nicole is making the connection that like he knew and asking if Waverly knew. So back at the hotel, like everyone's like kind of coming to the grips, coming to terms with like, wait a minute, he knew he was dying. And I can't tell in that moment where Nicole's like, you know, they see that envelope and he's, they're like, oh, he knew. And she asks Waverly if she knew. And I couldn't tell by Waverly's look on her face if she knew he was dying. Well, I think for myself, I kind of always thought that was Waverly looking back on just before the fight when when Dolls took her to the car and, and he saw, she saw him in pain mm-hmm. as he pulled out his little vial. So I think part of that is running through her head in terms like, of Like I did now. know, but not as early as yeah, that, not, like yeah. Jeremy did. That's that's where my, that's my feeling. But. Yeah, because she's like, I guess technically she did know, but like, I don't count that as knowing because she like found out no, a split second before yeah. no, that, <laughs> he died. She didn't have time to talk to anybody about it before it happened. So that's not, not really knowing. Right. Okay, At least not point. in my mind. Wynonna is mad. She's just completely pissed that Jeremy knew and, and Dolls knew and that they didn't tell her. And she's like, you know, it's it's loyalty. Look it up. And he's like, I was respecting his wishes. And if that's not as loyal as it gets, I don't I don't know what to tell you. And she's like, but what if there's something I could have done? And Jeremy's like, nobody could have done anything. You know, it was BBD. It was the drugs. And she's just beside herself. She's like, I'm never going to forgive you for this. And he's like, I get it. You know, it's it's easier to blame me than the dead dragon. And she just yells, pack up your science shit, Chetri. You don't get to be a part of this anymore. And, oh, such an ouch moment. Yeah, she's just not dealing with it. And she's trying to deflect it to someone else who doesn't deserve it. Yeah. And I think as hurt as Jeremy is, I think he gets that in in his core that 
she's maybe not. Oh, I'm sure he gets it. Yeah. Doesn't make it hurt emotionally, any less. Yeah. Emotionally, that doesn't help. <laughs> right. I wouldn't want to be on that side of her. No. Yeah. At Shorty's, Doc and Quinn, as we now find out is his name, are drinking. But Doc has tied him to the bar with twinkly lights just because, you know, he's not taking any <laughs> any chances. What's more secure than it's, it's a very pur- lights. It's a very purgatory thing to do. <laughs> what have we got laying around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tie him up with some fairy lights. Uh, Wynonna's like, you know, she asked Doc, she's like, did you know he was dying? And Quinn says, of course he knew he was dying. Um, I can't believe he lived as long as he did, but he never saw anyone eat so much kale by choice, which again is where I get my my idea that once his diet changed was when he knew he was dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that Quinn served with dolls and that there's no more BBD serum left, and that's all that could have saved him. Back at the diner, we see a little snippet of some revs who are who stole the drugs and they're shooting it up and it's not going well for them. They look very altered and very scary at shorties. Quinn found out how doll about dolls being dead because Jeremy placed an ad in like a secret code to guns and glory magazine at dolls's request after he died. So again, like more of that dolls making these arrangements um, prior before his death. And this is how the other soldiers would like send each other's messages so they could attend each other's funerals because it turned out there were others who were experimented on. And Quinn said he wasn't like the right blood type, so they couldn't experiment on him. And that Dolls tried to resist the BBD modifications as much as he could. And he like broke out six times in three months running away from them. And she's like, you know, why didn't he just contact BBD for help? And Quinn says, maybe he stuck around for you. And Doc says, there's no maybe about it. Wynonna says, fine, you can stay for the funeral. And then you got to get out of here, but you better not try any funny business. And she assigns Doc to be the guard dog and watch him while she leaves. Back at Dolls' hotel room, Nicole and Waverly are still there and Waverly's like, why is there only one letter for Winona? And Nicole's like, I think we know why. And then she looks at Nicole and Nicole's like, you know, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me all pitiful. And Waverly's like, I'm sorry if it's going to take me more than 10 minutes to digest that my girlfriend is the only survivor of a supernatural massacre. And she's like, I'm sorry, but I thought you were the normal one. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, you came back to purgatory to be a cop, right? which means it can't be a coincidence, which kills me because like it's all that kismity stuff. Like, was it a coincidence? No, the Nedley stuff. It's then Waverly gets all weird and she's like, you know, none of us have free will. Apparently, we're all just going to die anyway. So what's the point? And Nicole calms her down, even though she's just been stressed out herself. And she's like, the point is, I love you. She kisses kisses her. And she's like, if that's our destiny, then I'm pretty darn stoked. And then Waverly's like, all right, just try not to die, okay? And just as they say that, there's like this blur that goes past the window. But as they say, they're three stories up. So how can somebody run past this window? And as they chase down this person to run after them, Nicole's like, they're like, who is it? Nicole goes, some hot goth. And then Waverly's like, demon, vampire, big Bauhaus fan. 
And then we see that it's Countessa who says, call me Cataline as she runs by and steals Waverly's purse. And the way she runs away, just like floofing up her hair and like knocking people down is just pretty comical. <laughs> Nicole's like, she moves pretty fast for a hot chick. And jealous Waverly's like, okay, you called her hot twice now. <laughs> Waverly realizes that Dolls's letter was in her purse. And she's like, oh, crap. Like, this is the worst thing I've done since. And Nicole goes, champ. <laughs> <laughs> Waverly's like. Adeline? No, she can't be. So like her wheels are turning because she's made all these history research connections. Um, So she's got an idea who this person is now, right? And uh, they're like, we can't be late for the wake. So they take off back at the morgue. Winona enters and we see Nedley's there and he's been keeping a watch um, on Dolls' body to make sure nobody's messed with him. And she's like, why Why doesn't Lonnie just do it? <laughs> Apparently Poor nobody Lonnie. told her Lonnie got eaten by vampires. <laughs> and they have this sweet exchange where he tells her, you know, like, you should really be at the wake. And she's like, I just don't really know what to do with his body. And he's like, it's going to be here and it's going to be safe until you figure it out. Don't worry. Again, Nedley being like the town dad for everyone, right? At Shorty's, the wake is in full effect, and there's a shitload of sandwiches, compliments of Waverly, and there are toasts being made. And then I noticed Waverly was drinking wine while everyone else was drinking hard liquor, which was interesting. Um, but then Waverly takes Doc aside. Oh, and so when she goes to talk to Doc, he's like, he's feeling all bummed out. And he's like, you know, the last time I talked to Dolls, you know, I I told them we're both destined for hell. And she's like, why would you say that to him? And he's like, because that's where I went when I died and where I'm destined to go. And when it's my turn to be toasted to. And she's like, yeah, yeah I'm sorry about that. But I need your <laughs> need your help. And she's like, listen, this total smoke show with perfect purple pout um, who calls herself Cataline. And she just looks at him like, I think you know her. And he's like, yeah, I kind of do. Let's keep this on the down low. And they both skedaddle out of there. And we've got Quinn talking about all like the fallen friends. Um, Winona's just kind of making fun of their nicknames. And she says, our squad is like less nicknames and more dingus. Pass me more bullets. But we always have each other's backs. And he's like, yeah, well, who had Dolls' back? So that was a little not cool. Mm -hmm. Instinct, instinct, though. Let's face it. He's also feeling it, too. Yeah. Shows how he, you know, shows his grief. No, I was just going to comment that it's a tough thing when you've got an emotional episode like this and, and you're a guest star coming in for one episode to yeah. try to be able to make that work emotionally and get across and, and not, you know, stick out like a sore thumb, so to speak. I mean, kudos to the actor. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and then it's to not only be welcome by, by the Scooby gang, he goes on to say that he does lay in bed each night saying like Yorkie burbs jingles. Like he says their names over at night and she's like, why, why do you torture yourself? I don't. And um, he's like, what if BBD isn't gone? And then, you know, so he makes a really good point because she's like, do you think they would comfort what's left of him? And he's like, yeah, there's a reason my friends are in unmarked graves. 
So I think that like is what really clicks for her what needs to be done. Well, you know, she was saying like she didn't know what to do with him. I think that was really what pushed her in the direction that she ends up going. Nicole goes to the basement for more vodka and there's Jeremy and she's like, listen, you get to say goodbye to Jeremy. Um, and this is where they realize like what's what happened down here. And um, they're like, I, you know, probably just some drunks um, busting into here and stealing the banana liqueur. And he's like, well, that's kind of weird timing, don't you think? And that's when he realizes that um, the drugs are gone. And just says they realize that that's when the revenants break in upstairs. They want Winona. A battle ensues. We get the good line, suck hell, Revhead, from mm, Winona yeah. as she shoots one. That's gone on to be like on a sweatshirt, right? Yes. Can say some of you have, have some of those. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard they're the softest sweatshirt in the world, too. They're, they're pretty close to it, I think, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Winona picks up this red rotary phone behind the, the counter and she calls Doc, which I think this like tiny motion is so funny because he like picks up his phone. He sees that it's Winona and he like chucks it to Waverly like you answer it. <laughs> oh, she answers and Winona's like, why are you answering Doc's phone? And she's like, well, we had an errand. Uh, and she's like, really? In the middle of a wake? It's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll be back in two shakes. So this is when Quinn finds out that they were replicating Dolls' drugs and that Jeremy can do it. And he recognizes that Jeremy's from BBD. And he's like, what is he doing here? So he's startled by that. And Jeremy's like, you know, I'm going to go back to my office and see what's left of the serum. We are at the Gardner house where Waverly and Doc find Kathleen. And before they go in, Waverly's like, are you going to tell me about this woman? Because I have a hunch who she is. And he's like, yeah, she's my wife. And then Waverly's like, does anyone around here not have a secret wife? Might be the funniest line in the whole episode. I know. Such a good callback, <laughs> too, to like the whole secret wife stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they try to sneak in and Kate's like, just come in. I can hear you coming. Like, just what are you doing at the door? And Waverly's all pissy and she's like, oh, are we doing introductions? I'm Waverly Earp and you're squatting on Gardner land and you took something of mine that belongs to my dead friend dolls, which is shitty and tacky and I want it back. <laughs> I love Matt She's so Waverly. cute when she's angry. Yes. <laughs> you know, she's just rambling and like all, she's like, like a cat that's all puffed up, right? It's all coming out. Yeah. yeah. Kate starts pulling her tarot cards. And she gets the temperance card, which she says is the angel card. Balancing. Ding, 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 ding. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she says balance and moderation, but it's upside down. Uh, Yeah, like a clue, <laughs> like a dark, like an upside down angel, like maybe a dark angel. Yeah. Yeah, that like, might come into play later, huh? In front of our faces. Waverly is like, you know, just still all mad and puffed up. And she tries to like flip the table, which is a very funny BTS because I guess Dom went to try to like tip the table and it was way too heavy, which makes the whole scene even funnier because Waverly just like swipes all the cards off the table instead. And she's like, give me back my stuff or I'm coming back here with a steak. 
And Kate's like, I just wanted to be invited. And Waverly's like, then like a few selfies and slide into my DMs like a normal person. Such an apropos line from the herperdom and Twitter and everything else. Huh? It's so good. It's just perfect. So fitting. Um, and it, It's like one of those perfect lines. Just like um, the one with Ginny the Genie where she's like, my tweet is trending or something like that. My tweet's doing numbers. Yeah. It's <laughs> in really well like that one. Uh, Waverly's like, I get it. You slept with Doc. Who hasn't? She's <laughs> like, okay, not me, but you get my point. Uh, and she's like, but the point is someone we love is dead. And if we're all going to live here and die here, we need to figure out how to be here together. Very like Waverly to try to like pull this whole situation together and pull everyone together. And as she storms off, Kate says she gets it now. She says Waverly is fiery like Wyatt's. And he says Waverly is not even an erp. And then Kate picks up another card that we don't see. And she says she's something all right. Small breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fun in the BTS too. Dom talks about how um they think Chantel will end up being a real integral part of the team. And I think we really do end up seeing that happen, especially with uh Chantel's comeback in season four and you know, helping the Scooby gang the way that they do. So that was a fun little like not in the show breadcrumb, but like Dom thinking like, I have no idea what's going to happen going forward, but I feel like they're going to somehow be an integral part. Like, yep, they were. Yeah. They get your girl off the train later on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole is, well, they're all at shorties and, um, She's pouring herself a beer and Winona grabs it and Nicole grabs it back saying very firmly, that's not for you and neither is this wake. And it's a tense moment between them and Winona's like, are you really going to do this right now? And Nicole says, tough love you back to your senses feels like about that time. I just love this moment between them and I know I'm not alone. And she says, you're not the only one who lost him. You don't get a monopoly over the grief we all feel. And she grabs her hand and holds it. And of course, Wynonna comes to her senses and she apologizes. And she's like, you know, you don't have to be sorry. Um, and I know you'd rather be angry than what you're feeling now. Wynonna confesses that she told Jeremy to pack up his things and leave. And Nicole's like, well, you better go make sure he doesn't. Um, but before she leaves, she steals the beer back <laughs> in typical Winona fashion. And in the BTS, um, Mel says how she feels that Winona really feels like this sense of ownership over dolls and that he came to town for her. And then like as Mel's doing the interview, she's like, wait a minute. Actually, Winona does have the most reason of anyone to grieve like she she's earned this grief so it was just kind of funny to see mel like thinking it through and being like wait a minute why nona's in the right here in my opinion when she gets to the office we find jeremy like 
strapped to a chair and being tortured with a stapler by Quinn. Quinn wants him to tell him where all the drugs are. And he's like, listen, he's a BBD lackey. And Jeremy's like, listen, they did stuff to me also. So that's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to go too far down that road. No, we didn't. I mean, we know like the stuff that happened like with his mom, but like is does he does he have this like groin ability because of whatever BBD's done to him? I mean, we don't know what that is. Quinn's having a bit of a breakdown himself and he's just like, I want to inject myself with the drugs and storm BBD. And he starts saying how every time that dolls escaped, it was Quinn's job to bring him back because those were his orders. And so that's really kind of sad. Like he's got his own sense of like survivor's guilt and all of this. And Winona starts listing all the names of the people that have died at her hands. And she's like, you know, I lied when I said I don't keep track of their names. And she's like, but we need to keep living and we've got to let it go. And that, you know, dolls wouldn't want this. And then he cuts Jeremy free and... um Winona ends up driving Quinn to the bus and she's like, you can make it up to them. You can go to BBD. You can find these blood contracts and destroy them for us. And she's like, and if you come back to town for any other reason, there's going to be trouble. And then she hands him Dolls' dog tags and she's like, you know, he should really be with his friends. And then he tells her not to let Dolls' fire go to waste, which is an interesting use of phrase turn up phrase yeah yeah pull the dragon mm -hmm. back at the morgue we see that jeremy was relieving nedley and winona shows up and he's like listen i had no idea what bbd was doing to dolls and his brothers and winona's like we can't let his body becoming currency and there's only been one option and so then the next thing we see is Winona carrying an urn up a hill at the homestead. And there's a, another very sad song playing. And the gang is all waiting there. And one by one, they place objects in the ground with his urn that, you know, Winona puts in. Waverly kisses his scarf and puts it in. Nicole has his badge and salutes him, puts it in. Doc has bourbon. Jeremy has the, the X mug. And Winona puts her necklace on his tombstone. And that significance is insane when I think about it. Because their relationship started with that necklace. Dolls found it at the crime scene with Kirsten and he returned it to her. Then Winona lost it in the Jack and Knives episode and he returns it to her again. She then goes on to lose it in the storage room by the widow's crates, and he returns it to her by hanging it in the trees um, after he disappears that time. He returns it to her three times, and then in the end, she returns it to him. It's just beautiful stuff. Yeah. Really. And I, and I love how you laid it all out there, because that's that's not something I don't think a lot of folks notice in, but it's... It's exactly where the pieces of this bigger story just fit together so well. And that just, it's funny because when that scene started, for me anyway, 
and, and watching them each leave something. Yeah, her, her leaving that. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and it's huge because she's never without it, right? And if she Anytime is, it's not Anytime she for has, long. she's been so uncomfortable and it's been so important to her when it's come back. Yeah. So we... to choose to leave it just shows how important he was. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we've seen her in episodes where she was briefly without it reaching for it. And each time that she's lost it, it's been him that's returned it to her. Yeah. The two of the connection the two of them have. Yeah. Is so represented by that. Oh, it's kind of like you wonder if it's like, you know, this, this way out there thought of like, you know, return it to me when you see me again in the afterlife kind of thing. Then our next scene is just <laughs> also emotional. We have a sister bonfire and Waverly's saying, this is nice. We should do it more often. And she asks if Winona has thought about her own plans for when she dies. And um, or she says, for when you go. And she's like, go where? Waverly's like, you know, I don't have a spot on the earth burial yard. And Winona's like, don't be ridiculous. None of us are staying there. I don't want to face my old high school for all my life. Because uh, I guess it overlooks the high school. And Winona says, in 80 years we can be buried side by side on the homestead. And she's like, and don't ask if Nicole can come. And then she says, you're my favorite person in the whole wide world, baby girl. And once we've defeated Bolshar, you're stuck with me forever. And then that's when Waverly gives her the envelope. And it's a photo of all of them at a diner. And she's like, what does it mean, Winona? And she says, keep going keep fighting and then she's like all right fine nicole can be buried with us and i know that scene for you had to have been the multi-tissue scene it's certainly one of the most emotional baby girl ones mm -hmm. certainly um and just to add to it as you said with uh winona telling waverly about the keep going, keep fighting. Those of you that were around during the fight for Winona, that was repeated all the time by all of us during the fight to refer back to that scene, that visual, and what it meant to be an Arper. So that couple minute exchange is a lot for me, emotion on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great way to like, you know, somewhat wrap up that episode too, where it's like, we've had the sadness, but the sisters are back together. They're regrouping and they're focusing on what's important, right? Well, it is. It's the perfect representation of what happens when you're dealing with grief. Mm -hmm. You just have to go on and, and showing us the the sisters together and, and how much they'll do for each other and, and having dolls have thought about it and, and left that picture and why not knowing what it means. 
it's what gets so many of us through a trying time like that is is not thinking about so much what happened or what you lost, but what the person that you lost would want you to be doing. Right. The the going forward part, the yeah. keep going part. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> little fun fact, there's an Earp sister bonfire in each season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those episodes are, I believe, 102, <laughs> 202, 303, and 408. And I absolutely adore that you have that. <laughs> I adore it because, yes, those are very special moments. To many of us, not just me, but cementing that relationship very much. At first, I, when I started looking at those, I was like, are they all in the second episode? The same episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> nope, doesn't matter. So there was one in every season. That's all I need to know. <laughs> and then we wrap it up at the Gardner Mansion with Doc going to Kate and they talk about when Kate had heard that uh, Doc had died. And she says that Wyatt never stopped looking for him. He spent thousands and hired trackers. Ultimately, it broke his heart. And before he passed, he told her the truth um, that Doc had arisen. And that's when she did whatever it took uh, and became a vampire. And they share a kiss, and he's like, one rule, no teeth, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> For now, anyway. <laughs> if only he would have stuck to those rules. He didn't stick to that one, did he? No, not for long. That's a lot, but done so well. Done so well, but still the hardest episode for me to rewatch of the entire show. Yeah. And you, um, you, know, you had touched on that Buffy stuff, and... You know, Emily talks about it in the postmortem as well. And I haven't watched Buffy, but I did look into articles about that episode and, and why it was like such a huge episode that is still talked about. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. It, I, again, I don't want to say much, but yes, for those if you have not, for those who have seen Buffy, you totally get it. Okay. Yeah. You're nodding, you're nodding right along right now. Uh, if you haven't, then. Just recognize it's another amazing show that makes you care very, very much for the people in it. And it deals with the things the same way and that in a very unreal setting, it's all about the reality of the relationships when something that devastating happens, how people deal with it. Yeah. And it, you know, it obviously had a, a bit of a spoiler for me if I, if I do go and watch it. Um, but I focused more on just like the, the creative choices that were made for that episode. Yeah. So those parallels were, were really interesting to read about. So I, I yeah. was glad to at least, uh, you know, had an idea of that going into it. It is. It, it, for someone who's a fan watching it done here, it just shows the great respect that, uh, you know, both the, the writers and both shows had for their audience to do it the right way and to do it in a way that was very real. Um, and to not make it, you know, the, you know, the topic of the week, like a lot of shows will badly do to try to get real life points across that it was just done in a natural, 
flow of how those shows dealt with what happened to the characters mm -hmm. in them. So yeah, knowing how much of an influence it's it is for Emily and many other writers and all, and seeing the respect done. And like I say, that uh, the music aspect of a TV show, uh, you know, each show, Europa and Buffy, changed that up to to respect what happened. And, and you know, they each did a little differently, mm -hmm. but uh, each of them, it was a conscious choice uh, and a beautifully done conscious choice in both cases um, to make it more real. Um, because sometimes if, if you haven't, if it's something you haven't looked at a lot, folks, in your viewings, regardless of age, at least for me, and I think many of us, you 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 don't always realize how much of an impact music has in a show, setting a mood or setting what's to come or setting the the way you should feel after someone comes. I mean, and, and to take that away, or in the case of Earp, to adjust something you love, right. uh, just recognizes what an impact that has. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, I've talked about before, just like the the way this show has changed how I view television and, you know, from knowing who the writers are to uh, knowing who the directors are, uh, you know, being able to recognize when, oh, that's, you know, that's maybe a Noel thing or that's a, a Shelley thing and to be able to to know something well enough to start to recognize those things. I've never done that in a show before. Um, let alone, you know, I'd be like, oh, this is a good song or this is a a good score to a show. Uh, never before have I been so invested in it. And just the music in this, the show just blew me away and made me want to know more about it so like when I covered it for this upper life it was a no-brainer that like that was one of the biggest things we wanted to delve into was just talking to some of these people because episode after episode the songs they they're moving you and they're moving you in like so many different ways so very true and yeah that's why it's, it's beautiful for you folks to look at that and really give that some of the attention that it, it really deserves the you work know, Andrea and t her team did for this is yeah. just mind-boggling. It is all throughout, all throughout all the episodes. It's just, it, it's like a lot of things we say too that uh, you know when you're watching some some great entertainment like this, some great shows. Um, the fact that you can enjoy it without thinking about it so much or noticing it on that maybe initial viewing or on a certain viewing. And then when you can step back, as you said, and look at some parts of it, and know which writer's personality just came out in some dialogue or appreciate even more a certain scene when you realize how well the music just helped with that. And then you want to dig deeper into the artist who created it and see what other things they've created because they were able to touch your heart a certain way. I mean, that's appreciating the stuff. It's just so many different levels. Yeah. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and that this episode really, that they gave the storyline the time, like the, the grief, that they dedicated a whole episode to this loss, right? But they didn't just, okay, he's gone, we buried him. Yeah, let's do let's a toast. Let's to okay. the next, the on next to the thing. demon of the week, right. Yeah, and there really wasn't even a demon of the week. Like the revs come and shake some things up, but it wasn't like we normally get. 
mm-hmm. you know, death, death and grief was the demon of the week in this episode. And as I just really appreciate that they did that. They took the time for that. Emily also talks uh, in the BTS about how this episode is a really big Jeremy and Winona story. Yeah, they took some major steps. I mean, you've mentioned too some of the Nicole and Winona, which is very true mm-hmm. in terms of where their ship, uh, excuse me, relationship is growing. But you're right, the the Jeremy Winona stuff is certainly she tends she tends to have those moments with with other characters that just are so impactful going forward. And this is one for for Jeremy and her for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I loved Emily's quote in the postmortem. We've talked about it and around it quite a bit, but just to quote it, kind of dot the I in uh, here, she said, quote, these are still real people dealing with real emotions, having real relationships and dealing with real tragedy, end quote. And again, that's it. That's our show. The reality, you know, how it real it feels to all of us. Yeah, it feels very real to us. I think that's why we have such a strong connection to this, this show and, and the people who do it. I mean, that's just, you never, I'm never going to stop talking about how amazing it is. And obviously, you never will either. <laughs> um, so we're I preaching hope not. to the choir. <laughs> I hope not. Because that this is not something you stumble across every week, every month, every year. Uh, no disrespect to the thousands of other excellent TV shows out there, but. All right. Name name another show. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are other people who feel passionately about other things. That's no disrespect ours, to anything right? else. Yep. <laughs> Appreciate our corner of the universe, please. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you for coming along on this. Uh, hopefully not too tear. You did really well, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. You don't see the pile of tissues here because it's all. I covered your face up because I didn't want to have to deal with it. Because if you cry, (laughs) then I, if if I see you cry, then I'm going to (laughs) cry. I just put my notes over your face. I was going to say kudos to Anne if she was watching the video. (laughs) (laughs) Covered you up. (laughs) Okay. Good idea. Good idea. I just powered through because I was like, "Mm -mm, don't, I can't do it. I have, I have that, um, that chain reaction where if, someone throws up or cries i'm gonna do the same thing (laughs) okay good to know (laughs) oh but so yeah so we appreciate you joining us and um and you can always visit visit us at herbologypodcast.com you can leave us a voicemail it's a number of ways you can interact with us you can follow us on twitter at herbology underscore pod and you can email us at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Yeah, it's great, folks. Those of you who do share, we it just gives, uh, gives me a nice smile when someone shares. They're listening or they agreed with something we said or, or especially if there's something we brought up you might have missed or you share something we missed. That's the community side of it. It just makes it so special. So thank you. Thank you for those of you that do it. It is always appreciated. It's always appreciated. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Even when there are tissues involved. That's right. That's right. That's, again, the reality of life. Man. It's not all fun vampire killing stuff or anything else. we got to deal with all of it. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, bye. Take care, all.
you did good. Thank you. That's tough. That one is tough. Uh, when I put put it together about that necklace, it's just like that. That was beautiful. That was just beautiful. I thought you were going to break me with that one. A damn necklace. Because <laughs> I remember making a note of like every time, you know, anytime she lost it, it they made it so clear. Like they zoom in on, like, look, it's on the ground. So it was always yep. in your head, like, she going to get it back? She's going to get it back? But... And it hit so many of the traumatic times, like you said. I mean, from when she was crying, you know, in her bedroom, and she caught the reflection and went out to find it after he was, you know, had to go separate. And Jack and Knives just devastated her and got back, you know, all of them, just each of them. So for her to choose leave that for him like i said the graveside thing was was tough i mean that was tough but i was like certainly first time through especially okay until i saw her leave the necklace and then i'm like oh that's it okay not nope, <laughs> nope. yeah nope. and not only the significance of that like him returning it you know like that kind of being their thing but like that this is a like besides peacemaker that was like a cornerstone of her right like you associate Winona with Peacemaker, the necklace, the boots, the jacket, right? Yes. So yep. then, like, this is gone now. Like, just I remember thinking, is she going to take it off and wear it later? Is this just for now? But no, it's we never see the necklace again. It's her, it's her tribute to him. <laughs>